What is, let me learn how to talk this morning, dang, uh, episode's coming to you a little late, I do apologize, uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple, you know, couple days here, uh, so I'm finally getting able to, to record this, we got a, we got a, a good episode here for you, um, but first, let's let's do our sort of review of the last week of wrestling and Raw and SmackDown more in particular. Like I said, it's been a couple it's been a couple crazy days. Uh, this weekend was just crazy, so I actually didn't watch SmackDown except for one match. I did catch Edge's match, fantastic match, by the way. Um. But I did want to bring this up because I'm I, I th- pretty sure I talked about it in one of the last two episodes about him him retiring. Would this be his retirement? And and I I'll, I just want to sort of emphasize that that if that was his retirement match, um, there, there there's a sentiment that a lot of people may put out there of. Why would he? Why would they retire him against Sheamus? Like, like Sheamus isn't someone you retire someone against, right? There may be that sentiment there, or they may be, oh, he's going to AEW. That's going to be the IWC sentiment, and it would not surprise me if, if he honestly, it would not surprise me if he showed up at AEW. His his entire thing when he got cleared by WWE all he wanted to do was to retire really on his own terms he didn't want to have his career stripped from him um and again I can't think of anything better than retiring on your own terms than winning your final match in WWE in front of your hometown crowd against one of your best friends in Sheamus, an opponent you picked, and then jumping to AEW, maybe showing up at All In, maybe doing uh, All Outs like a week or two after All In, which I'm pretty sure All In's this weekend. Uh, I don't keep up with AEW, but if it is, I'll, I'll double check. We may cover new predictions for that card. And I want to talk about the card itself. Um so we'll probably talk about that on uh, Saturday. Um, but let's say he does go over to AEW and fights against Christian, has a match against Christian, who he came up in the business with. And maybe that fight leads to them, you know, tagging. And they do one final tag match where his his actual retirement match from the industry is the Hardys versus Edge and Christian in a TLC match. Like I, th- I think that that would be the perfect closer 
to his career. And the only way it's going to happen is if he goes to AEW. So, and, 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 and the way I look at it is I don't think Edge is top 10 all time, but he's definitely top 20. And I think he's done enough for the industry where he, he has earned his way to, to say, Hey, I'm going to retire this year. I want to do it my way. And I think WWE gave gave him enough respect to allow him to pick an opponent, pick when he wanted to fight him, and say, "Hey, this is it. Toronto's it. Sheamus is is the opponent. The contract's over. I'm going to show up. I'm going to go to AEW. Just letting you know, it's not. You know, I, this is how I want to end my career, right? Um, so that's all I'll say on Edge. Um, again, I don't have much more to say on that SmackDown because I didn't watch it. Um, uh, we'll move to Monday though. Um, the first note I have listed on here is raw is a very tough watch just being three hours alone. And, and this is a, a sentiment that gets stated by the IWC by casuals alike every single week. Three hours is just too long. Three hours is too long. What makes it longer though is when, you get copy and paste episodes. I don't know if this is what Triple H calls like I book ahead of time and it's just copy, paste, copy, paste. But that's what Raw has felt a lot like the last month to me is just copy, paste, copy, paste. It doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Um, and it just it feels repetitive. It feels like every week. It's he has a template. Right, it feels like he has a template. We're gonna start with Judgment Day. We're gonna end with a match with the Judgment Day versus Cody, Sammy, and Kevin, and some variation. Maybe add in Riddle and McIntyre, and it's and, and in between that, we're gonna get a bunch of individual segments that again are templated. We're gonna get Chelsea Green in a segment for five minutes. We're gonna get Rhea beating down one of the lower mid-card talents. And that, uh, and, and it just feels like it's copy-paste, copy-paste um, every single week. And that's what the last, like, month has felt like, at least to me, for Raw. Um, these, this isn't going to be an entire coverage of the episode. These are just points that I... Uh, these are just points that I, that I sort of thought about as I was watching the show. Um, so the first thing, the first thing that really stood out to me is Shinsuke Nakamura's vignette promo. WWE finally got it right. They finally got it right. That is the area Shinsuke needs to be doing vignettes in. He doesn't need to be in the ring. I've, I've said this for a long time, not just on the podcast, but before I started this podcast, just among my friends, this has been my opinion. Vignette or excuse me, promos do not have to take place in the ring. In fact, I would very much so rather prefer that a majority of the promos for matches happen outside of the ring, either backstage, outside of the arena, and some sort of capacity where they're not just standing in the ring. Because because for a minute, WWE for a minute there, literally every promo happened inside the ring and there was no variation. It was all just so bland, right? But with this promo out outside of the ring 
in a studio where he gets to say his piece. And guess what? Subtitles. I don't care that he speaks Japanese. You know what I care about is that as an as a watcher of the show who doesn't speak Japanese, I don't know what he's saying. Therefore, I can't buy into the story. That's always been my issue with uh, Shinsuke. With whenever, like they went, they were in uh, Quebec, uh, and people were speaking French there, right? Uh, Trish and Sammy and Kevin were speaking French. Right when they go to you know not every week now it seems like but here recently Damian Priest and Rey Mysterio and, and the Hispanic wrestlers will start speaking Spanish and to the English speaking audience who doesn't speak another language this takes us out of the story so the subtitles a hundred percent needed on secondly can we I don't know am I the only one uh, who watches. TV with the sub. I can't watch wrestling with the subtitles on because live, uh, live, um, close captioning is always like 30 seconds behind. Cause you know, they're typing it as it's, as it's going. Uh, so I can't, it, that's annoying to me, but I watch TV with subtitles on anyway, just cause I'm kind of hard of hearing, uh, <sighs> decade, uh, a decade plus of listening to loud ass music, and going to NASCAR races without ear protection will will leave you bl- uh, blind, <laughs> leave you deaf. Uh, so yeah, Shinsuke's promo. I'm into this story again. I wasn't into it because I had no idea what the hell was going on because I didn't understand Shinsuke's part. And I'm desperately looking for someone to beat Seth Rollins. Uh, Santi Saps has said it that his character. Is annoying. Nerdy D has said it. His character is annoying. I'm gonna say it. His character is annoying. And and what and what Santi said, I loved it. Uh, I love what Santi said. He said, you know, I don't mind the chance during the entrance. I don't mind the chance after he wins. But it's during the promos where the other people are trying to speak, and it takes away their opportunity to speak, and it's almost hijacking the show. Right, I thoroughly agree with that 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 opinion. All right, so Shinsuke's promo, fantastic. I'm into this story again. Here's what I need to happen, WWE. Shinsuke needs to win, and this is why. If Seth legitimate Seth later comes out and confirms he has two fractures in his back, I'd be a hypocrite, and at least in my opinion, I'd feel like a hypocrite if I went out and said a, a month or so ago. Kenny Omega should stop uh, doing these dangerous moves, these dangerous spots, because he has vertigo and who knows what other spinal conditions he may have. Uh, he has numbness in his arm. He needs to stop. I'd be a hypocrite if I were to say that and then not come around and see, oh, Seth Rollins has two fractures in his back. Ah, oh, he should be able to wrestle. It. No, no, no. Seth, drop the belt. Get yourself fixed, my dude. You got a daughter and a wife now, and you shouldn't be living in pain for four years, right? You shouldn't, right? And this this is that old school wrestling mentality where if you got hurt, you didn't expose it or you didn't do anything about it because you were afraid you were going to lose your spot. Seth, I promise you, I promise you, Seth, there's you're not losing your spot. Go get yourself fixed. 
go get yourself and it's it's a it's surprising to me that he's been able to put on the level of of matches that he has put on he has carried raw he carried raw for like 3 years literally with a fractured spine now i don't know if that's the story they're trying to go into uh, but if this is real life, if, if it's an actual injury, Seth, it is okay. Drop the belt. And WWE, if I'm WWE, I'm stepping in and saying, Seth, you have to drop the belt. You have to go get surgery, my dude. You, you got to go fix it. We want you to have a healthy life after your career is over. We don't want you to potentially risk permanently injuring yourself. Go get yourself fixed. So... I don't know. Am I the only one who feels that way? Am I the only one who feels after we heard that promo that I, I don't know if Seth should be champion right now? He should probably be getting surgery to replace the two fra- or to to repair the two fractures in his spine. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> the next thing that I really liked was the Miz promo on L.A. Knight. In this promo. He called L.A. Knight the Huba Stank of WWE. He called L.A. Knight a watered-down version of the Attitude Era. And I've said this from the very first Miz promo. Miz, Miz's promos were just going to essentially be what I would uh, 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 assume management's... Uh, this is to me, this feels like hey, that Miz went to Vince McMahon and said, Hey, Vince, write me some reasons why you wouldn't push LA Knight. And right, and and and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be bluntly honest here. I may be the only person in the wrestling fandom right now who is not sold on LA Knight. Everything Miz has said about LA Knight from being a flash in the pan for being a a one-hit wonder, from being the washed-down version of the Attitude Era, I agree with. This actually is, like, the only time that I will actually side with Miz, right? Now, ultimately, we know Miz is losing the storyline. We know Miz is going to lose the match. But Miz brings up good points. And I think that he brings those points up for a reason. Yes, it's to advance storylines so that LA Knight can, 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 it gives him something to, to, to argue against. I'm not this, I'm not this, right? But I'm still 100% sold that the reason that LA Knight is popular with especially the casual fans but some of the more hardcore fans as well is the nostalgia of the Attitude Era that you get when you watch L.A. Night, You get the catchphrase, and you get the, the, the simplicity. Let's just be honest. Austin, Rock, simple. Simple characters. And that's what made them enjoyable, right? And, it, and we don't get something like, like, I understand why you would cheer for it. It's entertaining. I get it. I'm not sold it's going to last, though. And it damn sure, at least to me, is not world title material. This is mid-card material to me. I feel we have 
way better people to, to, to build around than someone in his 40s. I just, you don't put that type of investment into someone in his 40s who's just now getting to the peak of the industry. You could put a little bit behind them, but you can't put the whole company behind them. You can't invest the whole company in LA Knight because you're not going to get very much return. I mean, you're getting returns right now, but in three months, this is what I think is going through the mind of WWE corporate. He's selling now, but will he sell at Rumble? Will he still be selling at the Royal Rumble? If he is, then okay, he's a long term. He's not a flash in the pan. This isn't because that, that that would be six, seven months of him constantly selling merch. But we don't we don't know if he could do that yet. We we don't. And so I, I this is the type of you know I I hate that it's making me cheer for Miz. I know La Knight's winning the match, but Miz is correct. I just think he he is a one hit wonder to me. He, he is the watered-down version of the Attitude Era. He is a mixture. And this, again, this isn't a bad thing, but until fans come to the recognition that that's what he is, I just, I, I'm not sold that he's he is going to be the big star that everyone is selling him to. I get why the casuals love it. I get why other casuals love it. Right, I get why some of the hardcore fans love it. He's entertaining. I get it. I'm just not sold it's going to last very long, especially with the crowd that we have. He's going to get that big moment. Maybe he gets a title. Maybe he gets an opportunity, and eventually they're going to just die out their support. It happened with Kofi Mania. It, it happened with Daniel Bryan for a little bit. Eventually, people start cheering for him. Not really Daniel Bryan. That's really a bad example now that I think about it. Uh, it, it happened to Liv Morgan. It somewhat happened to Becky Lynch. After her Becky two belts reign, she dropped it, and then they were cheering for her to come back and win the title again, and she did, and then that support sort of wavered away. Like I said, Liv Morgan. Um, we've seen it with Kofi Mania. Um, and so, yeah, I just – I don't know if if, it, if it'll last. And because I – because I, I'm not sold that it will, I'm just I'm not gonna buy into he's the megastar yet. I'm just I'm just not gonna buy into it. Uh the next note that I have here is this main event picture on on, on Raw. Complete clusterfuck. Though I just I'm trying to figure out why the fuck is every title in that company involved in one storyline the Seth got out of it but he could get back in any day right he's still technically in it because Damien has the money in the bank briefcase and therefore that that heavyweight championship is always going to be linked to the judgment day until the cash-in happens and then the women's tag teams outside of it. But the tag titles, the women's championship, money in the bank, it's all linked in this one clusterfuck of a segment 
that happens copy-paste every week, and there's nothing coming from it. It's a clusterfuck. Why are we doing this? Why is Sammy and Kevin, I get they've been hurt, but why are they still involved in this? Why are they not fighting and defending the title? Take the championships off of them, please. If they want to play superhero, they can play superhero, but take the titles off of them. It's a clusterfuck right now. There's no plan. I believe there's no plan. There's no direction being pointed as to where those tag titles are going. There's no direction. And where Rhea Ripley's title... Okay, she's facing Raquel. Is she going to beat Raquel? I think she will. Until Mania, where Raquel, I think, beats Rhea. But... But it, uh, and, until we get to that point, we just have this giant clusterfuck of a segment that happens where we get the same triple threat match, right? And what's Cody Rhodes doing? Like, he's supposed to be building his ascension, and instead he's tag-teaming with Sammy and Kevin. Cody needs to... Like we were coming out of or into SummerSlam thinking Bray Wyatt was going to attack him, and that was going to be the next big thing to sort of hold him over until he can go to the Rumble again and potentially win and challenge for Roman Reigns. I don't know if we get there now. The way the booking is, I'm confused on how he ha- has the momentum to even be cared for to face Roman again. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, after after that watching the Cody documentary and then watching SummerSlam, I was convinced. I was convinced he was going to be the guy to beat Roman. Now I'm not because he's doing nothing on TV to get him to that point. He, he's playing third wheel to Sammy and Kevin. Like, like what are we doing? I, I just don't understand what we're doing to get us to the next – pay-per-view to get us to the next event to get us to the next part of the story what this feels like they're doing to me is just doing a long-term build to survivor series where we'll have team judgment day versus team kevin sammy and and cody and two other people and then you have judgment day with damian dom finn probably jd mcdonough and another person or maybe they do war games, and, and instead of announcing it, they or maybe they announce it at a later date, but war games could be Judgment Day versus Sammy. Uh, and that's, that's why I say Seth could get back into it, into that story, because that's where I feel Seth might be placed, is in that feud again to help with in a war games match. It's just a right it's i love the judgment day i they're my number one thing in 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 wrestling i think the the storyline is interesting i think each individual member has a role and they play it to the t but just placing the judgment day in these random matches it's annoying it's literally annoying. it it i don't need them to wrestle Every week, I don't think, and, and I don't think that people understand that. I don't need them to wrestle every week. 
It takes away the mystique of them actually having the big match. What I need Judgment Day to do every week is to right is to wreak havoc in the locker room and to figure out this drama that they're, they they got themselves in. That's what we need. We don't need them in the ring having a match every week, especially against random opponents. Sammy and Kevin need to be placed in a legitimate feud or drop the belts. Rhea needs a legitimate story. The story right now with Raquel just doesn't feel important enough because it's just randomly placed together. There's no build to it. There's a little bit. I get why she's doing it. Rhea injured her, so now she's coming back for her revenge. Okay, but then she's going to lose, and, and, and now that's going to we're going to go on a five, six-month build towards WrestleMania. I just don't – there's not enough momentum there to carry it that long. Right? And in speaking so, speaking of the titles, am I the only one no, noticing this? Triple H, through his booking, is only giving title opportunities to his guys. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, Shinsuke, Raquel, Sammy and Kevin, right? Majority on, on Raw, which which leads me to my point here. I believe when Triple H became head of creative, he told them, I'm taking Raw, I'm molding Raw. I've said this from the beginning. Raw will be his playground. Raw will be, Raw will be NXT black and gold, but three hours. SmackDown is the corporate show. That's why Cena's going there. That's why Roman's there. It's the face of the company show. It's got the, right? That's the the product that will be, right, you know, advanced, right? Raw's going to be Triple H's playground. SmackDown's going to be sort of the corporate show where, where you're not going to do much, you know, trial and error there. You're just going to do what works bloodline bring in the stars like Cena and and that's what happens right but I I thoroughly believe Raw has become Triple H's playground in in the in his favorite kids on the playground are the ones that get the opportunities to fight for titles right and I and I think what he's doing with like with, with guys like Chad Gable, I think this match and the storyline is a payoff to all the hard work Chad Gable has put in over the last five, six, seven years. All the crazy gimmicks, all the comedy stuff. I think now Triple H is going to pay it off. I think he's going to be the one to beat Gunther. I'm convinced it's going to be Gable. I'm convinced it's going to be the day the record is beaten, which I believe will be September 11th. At the scope in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, I believe, in in the most USA thing ever, Chad Gable wins the Intercontinental Championship. Right, USA. Right, it's nine eleven, so they're going to make a big sort of like. I'm sure they'll do a memorial like segment on. The, those lost on 9-11, they do it all the time with, with like Memorial Day and stuff like that when they have shows on it. So it would not surprise me if in like this USA, USA 
uh, sort of memorial service to those lost at night. It also would not surprise me if we see Selena Vega that night uh, in a match. Um, even though she's on SmackDown with, her, with I'm pretty sure it was her dad or someone in her family who was lost on 9-11, definitely think we'll see her uh, in a match. Um because the last 9-11 she was supposed to wrestle on, I think she got pulled. That was before she got released. Um, and I think that struck a nerve with her. So I think they, hey, hey we're going to put you on this one. Uh, but yeah, I think Gable's going to win the title off of Gunther as soon as the, the record, the day the record breaks. And go, and they could write, rewrite the history books. Gunther loses the title. I thoroughly believe it. Um. Okay, next note here is I'm tired of Drew and Riddle. Just, just stop it. Honestly, keep Riddle off my TV screen. Just keep Riddle off my TV screen. I don't need to see him. McIntyre deserves to be in the in the in the picture for the world title. If you're not going to put him there, why have him? Why bring him back? I just don't understand why you would put him pair him with. Is this going to lead to a Randy Orton return? I don't know how that happens what's it's, it's just a clusterfuck to me it's just a clusterfuck to me all right so then the next note is we got to figure out what we're doing with these women's tag titles and, and 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 i've been saying this for months let's get rid of them they're not needed sure it makes chelsea green a little bit more important but why does wwe feel the need every time something happens to ruin it. That the segment you could have week by week segment. Every week, five minutes of Chelsea Green in the locker room, maybe in an office somewhere, with her title, scrolling through her phone, looking at these auditions to pick her her tag team partner. And that's all you have to give her, and it and it would feel important. And then, and then she she could come to a conclusion at at you know four five six weeks into it, she could come to a conclusion. Here's my partner, and then she could debut Cora Jade, J.C. Jane, people that I've already mentioned, right? But you give her Piper Niven. This is no disrespect to Piper Niven. You're she's very good in the ring. But it's an awkward pairing. And then you're going to make her sort of dominate Chelsea? I'm I'm over it already. I don't get it. it we, we had a segment in the making, like a what could have been a memory, a memorable, excuse me, a memorable segment every week with Chelsea Green. And you're going to go and say, nah, we don't want to do that. We're just going to pair you with someone that doesn't make any sense to pair you with because that's all that division is anyway. Just a bunch of randomly paired women who don't really make sense. The only women's tag team in that division that really makes sense. There's two of them and you don't use them. Katana Chance, Caden Carter. They've been together for like six years or literally best friends. Uh, they have so much chemistry together. Um, and then Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, which we haven't seen since they lost the titles from NXT. So I just, what are we doing? I, at this point, I would have preferred a tournament to crown new champions. 
I just I don't understand what we're what we're doing. And then finally, sort of in a uh, sort of to summarize everything, basically that I've said, WWE's pr- product is lacking right now. Raw's lacking, SmackDown's lacking, NXT's pretty hitting still though, right? But the main roster product is lacking. The main card is recycled, copy-paste. The mid-card is pretty bad, which is a formula for a bad show. Uh, There are moments that are good, but as a whole, it's pretty hard to watch on Fridays and on Mondays. I'm going to end this with one final comment. I mentioned the mid card for a reason because you can have moments where like you have this clusterfuck in the, the main card and the show could still be entertaining. If the mid card was entertained, this was, this is why I like Vince Russo. This, this was, he's, he's a dickhead. He, he, he does some stupid shit, you know, that didn't need to happen in the industry in the attitude era. Um, but his, his, uh, philosophy on how to book a show is the reason I like him. And is the reason I think he's the best booker to ever do it is his philosophy was I, if I I have to start with the mid card, you have to build a strong mid card because that is 75% of your show. And so what did he give us in the mid card of WWE Jericho? Right, Jericho for the most part was a mid carder, and it was fantastic. Ray Mysterio, right, guys like that. I don't know if Mysterio was there and he was in WCW, but that's another guy. When he went to WCW to book for WCW, that was a guy he would build around, right. And so, the tag division is the mid card, right, as a whole. And so you build a strong tag team division, you build a strong mid card title division. And you build on that, and then you, you you put on a decent main event. But if all you give them is a main event and everything leading up to, like, it's not good. And then when your main event picture is a clusterfuck like WWE's is right now, now you just have a, a randomly designed show that has no purpose or reason or rhyme to it. And, and you have a bad show, and it's a tough watch. And it's five hours that are tough to watch now. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. They're tough to watch, at least for me. So let me know what you think. What do you think? Are they am – I, am I completely off course here, or am, am, I, am I maybe driving the right way? And, and, uh, and, and I'm on, on to something here. Let me know what you guys think. All right, this next topic's a little touchy. Um, I've been, I've been trying to finagle a way to, to transition into this. And luckily one was placed into my lap yesterday. We're going to talk about Cora Jade, but Notorious Nerdy D gave me permission to play his, he's doing on his show, the casual wrestling show, go search that on YouTube, subscribe to the page. He's doing like daily hot takes, like four, two to four or five minute, maybe six minute long videos of just him explaining like a daily hot take called casual hot takes. This was his from yesterday. It was about Cora Jade. I'm going to play some of it 
and I'm going to give my opinion. This is the, the only way I can think of of transitioning into this topic. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about what, what he has to say here. So CWC, we got to talk. We got to talk about core Jade's recent Instagram post right now. For those of you that have been living under a rock, Core Jade surprised the internet with some crazy bathing suit selfies. And I will be the first to tell you guys, bro, these ain't safe for work. And for real, the IWC's out here acting like they've never seen a woman before. The internet wrestling community, or as I affectionately call them now, the I've never seen boobies before community, went absolutely bananas. They lost their minds faster than I lose my patience when a video starts buffering on YouTube. But here's the thing, it's 2023 people, and we're in an era where it's not okay for us to comment on what a woman looks like or her body type. And that's, that's fine, that's rightfully so, respect is paramount. But then how does one navigate the wild, wild world of wrestling media especially when wrestlers themselves venture into these racy terrains like Instagram or OnlyFans. I mean, I get it. It's cool. Cora can share whatever she wants on her social media. More power to her. But as podcasters, where do we draw that line? Where does the line get drawn? If a female wrestler posts a picture that feels like it has subliminal messaging, are we as men allowed to comment on it? And if we do, are we just instantly labeled as creeps? Don't get me wrong. There's a major difference between appreciating someone's beauty and objectifying them. I completely get that. But in this ultra PC age, how are content creators supposed to even tiptoe around commenting on the looks of a female wrestler without causing World War III in their comment section? And speaking of comments, you guys saw the comments in that Instagram post, right? At least it'll get you farther in WWE. Ah, uh, ouch. But it makes me wonder, why can't everybody just be adults? Why can't we say certain things and everybody just be adults about it? I mean, I get it. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But we got to figure out where's the line. Do we all need to attend some kind of seminar in 2023 to learn the rules about uh, noticing attractiveness? Or should we just all wear blindfolds and pretend we don't see anything? I'm, I'm genuinely asking. This is a real question because clearly I didn't get the memo on how to react to things like this. So wrapping this up to Cora Jade, you keep doing you. I get it. And to the IWC, maybe just chill out a little bit. Go outside, get some fresh air. It's just Instagram. Yes, absolutely. It is just Instagram. So I want to start off by saying I agree with everything he just said. I do. Um. <clears throat> Cora Jade has every right to post whatever she wants on her social media, just like we have every right to post whatever we want to on our social medias. Um, I'm going to go pull up my my actual response to this. Uh, I've added uh, written out pretty well. At least I thought it was pretty well. Uh, so here's what I said. I said, personally, I see nothing wrong with her posting those images. Um but it brings up a point that I made on this show on Saturday about Lacey Evans. What happens when these attractive women decide that they don't want to wrestle no more, that they don't want to take the bumps, that, that they don't want to beat their bodies up for the fans when they don't have to do any of that 
and they can go make some bank from OnlyFans. The line, but I feel that it continually gets moved on what we can and cannot say in these situations. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that Cora Jade is attractive. But the IWC, like Nerdy D said, are acting like they've never seen boobs before. As long as people are respectful, I don't see an issue with talking this topic, and I'm all for it. can't tell you where the line is, and I'm genuinely curious as well on how we should respond to it. So I have my response. Right? My response is, Cora Jade. Do you? I ain't got a problem with it, right? But men have this line. We can't say, damn, Cora Jade, that looks good. Because we're instantly labeled, look at all these creeps, right? Look at all the creeps. But, right, I just, and to me, that, that line of what is creepy, there, there, there's a line. Right, there's a line, and we've seen it a lot in the wrestling community as, as what is creepy and what is just genuinely paying respect to someone's attractiveness. Um, my big issue that I have, and it's not really an issue, my big is Cora Jade could leave WWE right now, quit the company, quit wrestling, go do what Mandy Rose did and start a fan site. Doesn't have to be OnlyFans. There's a the, dozens of these fan sites out there where it runs on the same sort of Patreon only fan model where you, where you pay for, for content. She could go out there, take the Mandy Rose model and go make bank more than she'll make in WWE and not have to put her like she could do it because people it because you look at the pictures. You see what she's playing with, right? And comments from the IWC of, ah, oh, you win, got a move, you can get pushed in WWE. First off, if that's the reason why she did it, that's her choice, my dude. She can get whatever body reconstruction, you know, she wants to get a... Uh, a BBL, she can. If she wants to get a boob job, she can. If she wants to get her get a uh, lip injection, she can because that's what she can do. That's she has the right to do that. If right, and if it's if she does it for the purpose of hey, this will get me pushed in my career further, that is her prerogative. Some of these women do it because they don't feel. Uh, they don't, they don't like their bodies. They feel less than. And so they go and get a boob job, but it makes them. If that's why she did it, that's on her. Who knows? All I got to say is, Braun Breaker, you're a lucky motherfucker. That's all I got to say. Right? And, and, but, but saying gets me, oh, you're a misogynist. You're, you're, you're a bigot. You're, you're, you're gross. Right? Me saying that, she's what, 22, 23 years old? She's in my age range. I I, I talk to like I, biologically, right? I I look at this like biologically. Like men were designed. We're the only species of animals created. Like we're the only species of mammal 
who doesn't have a mating season that ends. Our mating season is 365 days a year. We can procreate. Elephants have a mating where they, they can procreate every, and their gestation period is like nine years too. Like most animals have a mating season. Birds have mating seasons, right? Uh, reptiles have mating seasons. Most like other animals have have a specific point in time, normally three to four months, where they mate. They have all of their babies for the year, and then they go away, and and they they take care of the children and they're grown up, and then right, and that's a yearly cycle. And they have babies every single year at the same time. Human beings' mating season is literally 365 days a year. We can mate whenever. And so biologically, for the survival of the race, it's innate in men to want to be attracted to because we're always, right, we're always constantly in a, right, now, Human beings also have like a morality standard where we have laws where we're not just going around and 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 forcing other people to mate with us. We have laws, we have more morality and and different to sort of stop us from doing some of the things. But it feels like, and I'm gonna be, I'm a, I'm an arrogant. See, I'm the type of person. I'm the type of personality. I don't care if I offend people. I really don't. Um, I'm trying to keep this as like PC as possible, but there's a lot of white knighting going on in IWC, right? There's going to be, there's a lot of white knighting that goes on. Oh, you can't talk about her body this way. She's, you're objectifying her. I'm sorry, dude, but women are smart creatures. And if they feel the want, they know that it sells like, I just, I just, I just don't appreciate the double standard of women can go out, they can post the images, and then when men compliment them, like I posted, this as a a joke, a troll, really. Oh damn, it's hot here in North Carolina, but this is hotter. That was my comment on the post. It was a, it was a funny way to say, hey, you're beautiful, you're attractive. I wasn't trying to be creepy. I know I have 0% chance of getting with Cora Jade. Wasn't even on my mind when I made the comment. Right? I just, I don't like double standard where, you know, we have these white knights who who, who care about women or so they try to portray this image that they care about women and men need to stop, you know, noticing when they do this when they do it for like, they do it so they get noticed like that's the whole point of it that's the whole point of posting pictures on instagram is to get people to like it and to comment on it and right i just i just I, i'm curious we're gonna end it because i think i spent too much time on it where is the line how can we respond to it we we have to be able to respond to it whenever something like this happens right we have podcasters have to be able to have a way to talk about about this. And so I'm going to leave again with the question. Why doesn't Cora Jade leave and go do OnlyFans? Why don't these attractive women go and do OnlyFans? What's stopping them from doing it? Are they not? 
what happens to the industry when all the attractive women leave and then the men don't care about women wrestling anymore? Because I'm going to be complete. I don't care about the men. The, the, I don't care enough about the men in the ring and how well they perform in the ring. I don't care about your move. Attraction. I'm in wrestling. I'm sorry. Not going to be interested in it. Right. I watch women's wrestling to watch athletes wrestle, but also there's that attractiveness to it. Like, ah, Rhea's, Rhea's attractive. She plays a good gimmick. That, that right? It, we're we're going to end the show with, with my slapping brides. Right? And we're doing part of my grand scale is it because that is how since the dawn of them being in the industry and they've started what in the four, they started in the fifties as well in the eighties in the nineties, 2000, like every generation when women have been in, involved in the industry, they've been rated on their attractiveness. But the double standard I also don't like is I can't say Cora Jade looks nice and, and, and is active, but God forbid Some woman on the internet thinks Dolph Ziggler looks good. There's one on TikTok that I'm thinking of. Uh, or there's another one on TikTok that I'm thinking of. There's a massive crush on M Matt Riddle. Thinks he's the finest thing. Thinks Jeff Hardy's attractive. Right? Uh, look, that's what you're into. Go do it. Be you. But they're allowed to do that. But I can't sit here. I can't go on TikTok and say Cora Jade's attractive. I can't go on, right? So the, it's the double standard, right? Where's the line? It can't, and, and, and everyone on here has to be, everyone has to follow by the same rules. We can't have two sets of rules. So that's where I'll end it. Where do you guys fall on um, Let's go to it. Um, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is a, a segment I'm going to do where like the title of the episode would be the main. This is going to probably take a little bit to, uh, this is going to be a longer episode. Um, why I love wrestling. Now this is going to be a little more IWC-ish in, 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 in a topic. This is something you'll see like an IWC member do. But I think, I think it's important to expound upon why I like wrestling. Like, like what makes it to where I watch this? Because I'm not doing this just for the fuck of it. I got a lot more other things I could do than to just waste my time to watch wrestling. I watch it because I thoroughly enjoy and love the industry. I'll be 100% honest with you. If, if training was expensive as fuck uh, to get a... I, I've already picked out if I were... To get into the industry, I would go to um, Glenn Jacobs uh, training school. He does with uh, Pritchard. I can't think of his first name, uh, but it's it's Pritchard Jacobs Training Center, I think is what it's called, in Tennessee. They've produced a lot of wrestlers that are on AEW and WWE right now. Um, and it's two legends industry and i just like glenn jacobs a lot kane has always been one of my favorite characters um 
that would be where I would go. But it's expensive. It's expensive to train to wrestle. Um, I would be – I've. I'm one of those guys. Like I'll sit here right now. If I had the money, I could go do that, and I didn't need to work another job, and all I could focus on was getting the shape, you know, getting – getting trained into doing all of that, I would start today podcast and then do training, right? If I had the money to, to support that I've, I've taught, I've had friends that my, my, my brother, my best friend, uh, Cody, we, we've sat here and talked about, Oh, we're, we should go train together. And, and Cody, you could be the manager cause you're the better talker. James can go out there. We're twin brothers, right? So we can go out there and be tag team champions, right? Uh, and we've literally discussed this. This has been I part of the industry, and it's part of the reason why I got into podcasting because it was the uh, the only way at the time that I could sort of say I have some sort of role. I don't have a big role in in the industry, but I'm in the industry in a in a way, right? And so I, uh, I love the industry. I think it's a, a unique art form. So the is that it's fake. It's the forbidden F word in the industry. The IWC is going to have to say, but it's fake, but in a way that lets you enjoy it. Right, because if it was real, who the hell would actually sit here and watch two grown women or grown men legitimately beat the shit out of each other week after week after week? That's a like like there is that suspension of disbelief, and but you can sit here and know, hey, you know what? That's fun. And yes, it's pre-scripted. Yes, we know all of these insider things, but that's fun. It's enjoyable. I believe it's a creative means of art. When done right, when it's done correctly, wrestling blurs the line between real and fake. And so there's that disp- there's that suspension of belief where you don't know what don't know what's fake and enjoy it. What makes wrestling different than the movies, though? I always compare it. Oh, they, oh, wrestling's fake. You know that, right? Yeah, you're. Yeah, Marvel's fake. What makes it different than Marvel? It's the only art form. It's the only art form in which the characters, the people who play the characters, and the people who watch the characters live within the same acceptance of time. Let me explain that because that's a little bit difficult to to understand. In the movies, in 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 a let's say I was making a movie, and my movie set in the 1950s, and it's an event of time that takes place over one 24-hour day, right? Um, let's actually let's actually do this. Let's actually use a show that actually existed. The show 24, Jack Bauer. All of that. First off, probably the best show I've ever seen in my lifetime. I wish that they never got rid of it, and I wish it was still a thing because the show was fan fucking tastic. Twenty four. Each season was like 
10, 15, 20 episodes long. And it would be 24 episodes because each one wasn't. Each individual episode represented one hour of a 24 hour day. Right? So most seasons were like 24 episodes. And every event that happened in that episode took place within an hour. And everything the whole season took place in 24 hours. Okay. Well, so you go 24 weeks of time in reality. It took, in my sense of time, it was 24 hours of time, but it actually took 24 weeks. So the reality of time, right? But then you think about so the character, 24 hours. Teaching went through 20 weeks. How long did it take to film it? What, three months, four months to film it? Right? So the sense of time is different. In wrestling, they always start to show, right? Rhea Ripley, we're going to use her. Rhea Ripley, the character, enters the arena at 8 p.m. Music's playing, Jay's coming to the ring. Rhea Ripley's going at 8 p.m. Depending on time zones, you know, central time at seven and the, the west coast, it's what five, but it's the same time. Right? Demi Pitt, is going to the ring at eight o'clock, and the fans in the arena and watching are watching her walk to the ring at eight o'clock. And the segment takes 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes for Rhea Ripley, 10 minutes for Emmy Bennett, 10 minutes for the crowd and the people watching. It's the only art form that I know of that takes place in the same of time. Like W episode where everything took place in the 50s. Because they, they, they we don't, it just would not work. Right, right. You could see fifty. No, because it's twenty twenty three, and we'd see right through it. Because the the industry exists in the same sense, whereas the movies and plays and stuff like that do not. Right. But the bigger than I love wrestling is the storytelling. Now, I got this from a video on YouTube, and it really made me change the way I looked at the Roman Reigns story. So I'm going to tell the story of Roman Reigns, because I think it connects a lot more as to why he acts the way he acts right now in the bloodline. So I'm going to tell the Roman Reigns story. So the Roman Reigns story starts at Payback. 2012. See, uh, but really it starts before then. See, at this time, W was looking for the new face of the company. Cena was getting pulled out by Hollywood and they really need someone who could be the, the company. So on this, on this fateful night, the, you had seen Versing Ryback. And the belief in the winner of this match would become that indeed face of the company. 
the fear was it was going to be Ryback because that is exactly who Vince McMahon would, would choose to be the face of his company, the big meathead who really has no or gimmick. Uh, but so that was so the match goes on, and lo and behold, unknown men covering come in and just attack the the brutally beat the fuck out of Ryback. And according to John Mosley's uh, little book he wrote, they, they, they were hitting him real old um, that belief that Ryback wasn't going to sell. So they made him sell. Um, was born. Now the Shield dominated WWE for two years. Dean Ambrose, the uh, lunatic, unhinged. You uh, had Rollins, uh, the architect. He and Roman Reigns. Roman was quiet, didn't really say much. He just he just performed. He he right. And 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 it all worked. Everyone looked strong. Everyone liked it. the fans liked them, right? There was right. But then on a fateful day, two years later, where they had done everything they needed to do, and really there was a bigger reason for for this other than just breaking up the group. WWE still two years later did not have that face of the company. At, at this point, Ryback had been released or is about to be released, and CM Punk was. Uh, walked out of Royal Rumble, walked out of WWE, and was then later fired um, from the WWE. Um, so they still didn't have this face of the company. And after investing out of the shield, they decide on that fateful day for Seth Rollins to turn on the shield. Now, Dean Ambrose was never going to be the face of the company. It just, it, he didn't appeal to the mass mainstream audience. He, he did good at what he did, right? So he, he, he wasn't the choice. Seth Rollins couldn't be the face of the company because he just has natural heel. We still say this to this day, don't we? He's just a natural heel. He should. And so he joins with the authority, but he's not going to be the face of the company. The choice was then to put the rocket on Roman Reigns. Now, the problem with this is Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins had long careers well before WWE. They had the experience. They made it as solo wrestlers. Roman Reigns' experience in WWE was the two years in development toward FCW, and at this point, the two years from the Shield. And let's just say it didn't really go over well. He couldn't talk. He couldn't carry. Of the Shield match where Roman was in, was Superman punch, spear, pin, right? The, those parts of his matches. He couldn't carry matches by himself. Again, I don't blame Roman. He was sort of, again, four years experience and really have much to go on. 
But they continue to invest in Roman Reigns. And the more they invested in him, the more the crowd booed. Until the fateful day, Royal Rumble 2016? 15, 16? I don't actually remember. Royal Rumble uh, 20, I want to say 2015, Philadelphia. Let's check those facts first. Yeah. Royal Rumble, January 25th, 2015. Winner takes on Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31. Now, what makes this even harder for the fans to stomach that Roman Reigns ultimately ends up winning this match is that fan favorite Daniel Bryan, who won the title at WrestleMania 3, but had to step away due to a, an, uh, a potentially a career-ending injury. He gets cleared and is able to come back at the Royal Rumble. Nine, nine, so, so, nine some odd months away, he's finally back. He debut, he re returns at the Royal Rumble, surprisingly, as entrant number 10. Well, he only lasts 10 minutes in the match. And then gets eliminated by Bray Wyatt. That infuriated this Philly crowd. That was the fan favorite. They wanted him to win. There were rumors he was going to come back. I still remember vividly. They There were rumors he was going to come back. And the fans wanted him to win. To the point that when he got eliminated the place erupted in booze. Um, right. And it was such bad timing too. Cause the second he got eliminated, DDP's music started to play. And what should have been a grand return ended up being like a boost. And I mean, some of the crowd chanted for him, but it's just bad timing. But anyway, uh, entrant 19 comes in and it's, it's well, well, well it's Roman Reigns and the place erupts in booze. We get down to what we think are the final three. Big Show, Kane, the Rock. And the place erupts. The place erupts for The Rock. And then when the crowd realizes that The Rock is beating up Kane and Big Show so that Roman could win, the place just goes fucking nuts. Kane and Big Show... Get eliminated. Lo and behold, Rusev never actually got eliminated. He rolled through the bottom ropes. But then Rusev gets eliminated. And Roman Reigns is going to main event WrestleMania 31. Here comes that fateful day, though, where Roman and Brock, two people at the crowd necessarily at this time, didn't enjoy it was the lesser of two evils to have Brock Lesnar as champion, though. And everyone just knew Roman was going to win. Well, that was until they made a match. And Seth Rollins even said he did not know until after his match at that event several hours prior to it happening. But Seth Rollins comes in, cashes in money in the bank, and is the champion. Roman Reigns will go from 2015. He gets 
Honor two years later. The wrestling Orlando that I was at to beat the Undertaker in what looked at time to be Undertaker's retirement match. He retired the Undertaker. That's an honor, and the fans did not care. I tell you, I was there. Per- I was there in person. The quietest I've ever seen a- an arena leave. We were crying. We were bawling. Just confused. We thought that Undertaker was going to beat Roman Reigns. Or at least Undertaker would lose and then just walk to the back. But him retiring just left us all angry that Roman Reigns was the one that retired the Undertaker. Oh, and we let him know the next day. Roman Reigns Monday night following that WrestleMania. Now, by this video that I got this from, I think it's by <sighs> shit. Who's what's the name of that channel? It's like Eye Patch Werewolf or something like that. He does mostly anime. He he has four wrestling videos on his on his channel, and most of his fans all of his channel don't follow wrestling. Um. And so he's writing this video. He's making these videos for the wrestling fan to try to tell wrestling is fun. Anyway, um, but they don't cover the night after WrestleMania 33. I'm going to cover it because I was there live. And for 15 minutes straight, Roman Reigns could not. Anytime he tried to speak, fuck you, Roman. I don't even have a chance. Fuck you, Roman. Right? That That's... That's it, right? We would drown him out. I'm going to come back to this point in a minute at the end of the, at the end of me breaking this down. Roman Reigns following this basically just, he wins titles, people boo him, blah, blah, blah. The next big event in his career is 2018. Roman Reigns comes out, starts the show. But something's different. He's not in the ring gear that he typically wears. He's dressed like a normal person. He starts the promo by introducing himself as Joe and telling us that he has leukemia. I've never seen a crowd... Switch responses as quickly as that crowd did. They went from, we fucking hate this guy, to seeing the person underneath the character that they hate come out and tell them, I don't know if I'll be back. I have cancer. And the crowd just started now, there are going to be people in IWC that said this was intended for that. And um, then I don't know if he had leukemia or not. That's why I don't speak on this. But if you're going to sit here and say, oh, they use that so he can go film. I need people. Hobbs and Shaw for like 30 seconds. 
he did a Superman punch and a spear, and that's all I, I that's all I think he did. You could film that with leukemia. But he goes away. We don't see him again until the pandemic era. Now, he doesn't start the pandemic era because by the time he gets cleared again, the pandemic's starting. And he's a cancer survivor, so we don't know what's going to happen. But mid to late... 2020, Roman Reigns comes back. But something's different. He looks meaner. He looks different. He's acting different. The next night he comes out and he has Paul Heyman with him. His first feud's with him. And he's not a both of them. And they join him in We who are watching now, we know the rest of the story or where we're up to now. So I'm not going to cover it. But I need sort of, what's the point here? It goes well beyond the last three years. This story, Roman Reigns is a man. It started in 2012. It's a story of a man who was, who was, at every time he got to the highest peak of his career, the crowd he was the crowd that was supposed to cheer for him denied him. They refused to cheer for him. They even hated him for it. This crowd hated him. So what did he do? He built a defense mechanism. This is a story of a man who ultimately still to this day just wants to be acknowledged by the very fan base that continues to deny him. Now, I want to show you why I say that. Every city he goes into, he, he, he speaks to the crowd. He doesn't speak to the people in his tribe. He speaks to the people in, in the crowd. St. Louis, Charlotte, Boston, San Antonio, San Francisco, every city they've gone to, acknowledge me. This is the crowd that refuses to acknowledge him from 2012 to 2019. And he comes back in 2020. They still don't acknowledge him. And that's what he wants. He wants acknowledgement from the crowd. That's ultimately what he wants. And we see in places where the crowd doesn't cheer for him, where that were you see places like uh Wales when at Clash of the Castle, where he started where, where it's almost as if he transitions and he has these flashbacks for just a momentary second of the person in Philly getting booed out of the ring. And he starts to doubt himself. And that's what the family's there for. Because ultimately, at the end of Roman Reigns' character, is an insecure crowd pleaser who's been hated, booed, he wants 
is for those people to love him, to acknowledge him, to recognize who he is. That is the reason I love wrestling. Now, I know this is a very IWC way to look at a storyline, but it's stories like Roman Reigns's and it's stories like Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes' story is almost the same. Goes back decades where his first run, the crowd didn't like him. Management didn't put him where he needed to be. He wants, he's living in his dad's shit, right? But it's these stories that make us connect with the product. Daniel Bryan's story makes you, right, leading up to WrestleMania 30, makes you love and cherish. Like it, At the end of the day, the main reason that I love wrestling are the stories. I don't care about work rate. I don't care about how well you can do a headlock, the, how technical you are. I care about the stories. And, you know, it's some of these stories. Some of these things are just the greatest thing I've ever seen ever. Right? But when we look at the Roman Reigns story the way I just described it, as a story that didn't start three years ago, but as a story that started in 2012, what we've gotten over the last three years makes a lot more sense. It means a lot more. Let me know. Should I do more of these? I, I, I used to do a segment where I would take a, a person's career or like a, a, take a character and book it out. I'm, I might end up doing some of that. Let me know if you guys would like to. That's a little bit more IWC-ish, so, so I haven't really done it. But let me know if you guys would like to like to uh, uh, hear have me do some stuff like that, right? So the last thing I want to do, I'm going to go ahead and cut out this other segment uh, about WrestleMania ticket sales because that was just going to be me dumping on uh, on Wembley and AEW. So we're not we're we're gonna we're gonna save ourselves from that. Uh, me doing that again. So we'll go ahead and we'll end this show with um. The slapping meat brackets here. So let me pull this up. Here we go. So last week's battle, we were doing Bailey and AJ versus Lita and Sasha. As you can see here on the bracket, Bailey and Sasha have won. It was close between Bailey and AJ Lee. I'm actually. A little surprised that AJ Lee didn't win that matchup. Um, but there that is. We got two more spots in the final eight. We're doing Nikki Bella versus Raquel Rodriguez. And Trish Stratus versus everyone's favorite in the IWC right now. Cora Jade. I did not plan this out, by the way. This is funny. Uh, so Cora versus Trish, Nikki versus Raquel. Those who don't know, you know, you can go to the Discord to vote. My four categories I vote off of are in-ring ability, promo ability, overall market ability, and then like earlier, attractiveness. Um, and so let's uh, – uh, 
go ahead and vote. We'll, I'll go ahead and have that up in the Discord. You can uh, join the discourse on the Discord and uh, and join that conversation. We'd love to have you. Until then, thank y'all for listening to this episode. I know it's a little bit longer than normal, um, but uh, with that, um, I'm also going to say I will not have a Saturday episode um, this week because I will be in Nashville this weekend going to the Patriots-Titans game and... I really just, I'm honest with you, I'm not going to carry my uh, my microphone and my camera and, and my computer and everything with me for, for that. This, um, so there will be no Saturday episode this week, um, but we will uh, jump in. Next week is payback week, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll, we'll do predictions for payback next Wednesday, and then... Uh, We'll get back into the normal, casual community sort of questions that I do on Saturdays on on Saturday's episode. Um, but with that, thank you guys for for watching and or listening. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, share. If you're uh, listening on a podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, I think it's on like iHeartRadio and, and Pandora and stuff as well. Uh, but on the main ones, definitely give us like a, a five-star review. So here's my thing. If you like me, give me a five-star review. If you don't like me, give me a one-star review. I don't want a three-star review because those mean literally nothing. I, right? That, that, that literally means nothing, right? I want a one-star or a five-star, right? I don't understand why we have a two, three, four-star rating in podcast. You either like it or you don't, right? I think that's how I see it. So I don't want the four star uh, review. I want a five. Right? If you like it, give it a five star. If you don't like it, give it a one star. Everything else in between just means you don't know how you feel about it. And and I don't really. And those aren't. You know, those don't help. Uh, help me get better, right? So if you don't like it, give me a one star. And I'm fine with one star reviews. If I suck, let me know, right? And then uh, if I'm if I'm good at it, if you like what you're hearing, give me that five star review. Uh, and then, of course, if you're in the Discord, let me know how you how what you feel about this. I uh, love to have a discussion on it. Um, but until then, until next week, next Wednesday, uh, we will see y'all then. Have a great rest of your week, and um, yeah, we'll see you next Wednesday. Brother, I'm If I like it's a moment, I'll make sure it's an explosion. Cause lately I've been so-